whole life now being that of what many of us may call blessed. But despite her hardship in life of becoming a widow for such an early age, she eagerly waited and faithfully waited on the coming of the Messiah, Christ, the Chosen One. Now tonight, we will backtrack now to Simeon. And then next Sunday, it will be about the birth of Christ. So we're doing our series is about in, in a reverse order, but to emphasize the waiting. So again, last week, we established that nobody likes to wait. If you do, you're part of the minority that do. But our Lord teaches us to wait on Him, that waiting requires faith. And our waiting on God requires faith on God and that God will follow through. That He will follow through everything that He said and He will do everything that He promised. We also said, we also tackled faith requires waiting. We are given a lot of examples in God's Word that our faith in Him requires for us to wait. There is no rushing God. Everything happens in His time. All His promises are answered according to His will. And we established, lastly, concluded last week, that God is worth the wait. Amen? Amen. So tonight we tackle, who is Simeon? Simeon, in Luke 2.25, that's where he was mentioned. Uh, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. So a few things there. Simeon was a resident of Jerusalem, and he was known as righteous and devout. He lived there during the time that Jesus was born. For generations, the Israelites had hoped that a Messiah would free them from oppression and would arrive and save them. They didn't know how he would look like, but their impression was it was going to be a soldier, a king, that will rescue them from the, the, the uh, Roman emperor or the, the Roman Empire. Nobody realized it was going to be a baby that somebody's going to be taken care of. The rest of the nation of Israel, uh, like, like Simeon, like everybody in, in the nation of Israel, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, the word consolation, I always heard this before because my mom, she used to love watching the, the, the singing contest in the Philippines uh, when I was younger. Ang dating kampion, which is the former champion. And then the, the thing is, I heard the word consolation, and the consolation prize, it usually goes to the loser. You know, the first, the champion gets to be the winner, whatever the prize was, the first runner-up, second runner-up, and then consolation prize. So the consolation, the word consolation that, that Simeon was waiting for and that the Bible uh, refers to is actually comfort. It's comfort. The real meaning of consolation is to comfort, to give comfort. So Israel and Simeon was waiting for the comfort of Israel, the promised Messiah. Now, the unique part here, if you're, if you're seeing it, is that the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. The Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. Before Christ was crucified and before the, the, the Holy Spirit, rest, uh, when Jesus resurrected and the Holy Spirit descended upon us, before that time, only a few people uh, were chosen that the Holy Spirit would, would descend upon or be upon. And Simeon was, was one of them. But did you know as a Christian, 
that if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, the Holy Spirit indwells in you? That's one of the best Christmas gifts other than being saved from the, your sins for eternity is that the Holy Spirit indwells in you. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know, speaking to the Christian, that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now, do you know that? Say amen. amen. Not everybody, not everybody, but most. But that's the truth. The Holy Spirit indwells in every believer. Now, for the sake of the Christmas season in our, top, our series, in the topic of waiting on Christ, we see that the Holy Spirit was in Simeon. The same Holy Spirit that indwells in us. The description of Simeon was righteous and devout. The righteous here is the original language of dikaios. Living right in, in standing with the Lord and other people. Devout means taking well and, or, or the circumstances and religiously being pious about everything that they were doing. That's what a devout person is. Always being religious and taking good care of what they were doing. So he, Simeon, was righteous right standing with the Lord, right standing with others, and he was devout. He was re religiously keeping everything in order as he is devoted to the Lord and as he de is devoted to the Lord as to others. So the question is, if you have the same Holy Spirit that Simeon had, are you also righteous and devout? I know it's Christmas time, you know, we're, we're waiting, right? We're waiting. We're anxiously waiting for the day. I don't know if it's still the same excitement for adults. You know, I think when we were younger, it's different because you're just waiting to open those presses. But if you're an adult, it's preparing the house, preparing the menu, the meal, right? Maybe, or, or the credit card bills that's about to come when it comes January. I don't know, something, the anxiety builds up there, not, not excitement anymore. But we Christians, you know, since, since the truth is we don't know when, that, um, when Christ was really born. But we know that Christ was born. So Christ's birth, if we are really observing it, it was just Christmas. If we're really trying to observe it in our life, we should be observing it every day. But if we are observing Christ in our lives the Holy Spirit living in us, we should be living our lives in, the, in a righteous way and in a devout way. So that should, that should also fall into the Christmas season. The Christmas season, as the world has put it for us, it's become consumerism. It has become buy this, buy that, give me this, give me that. For us Christians, it should be counterculture. Do we agree? <laughs> I know, I, I don't like giving messages that are heavy, especially if it's so timely. I'm not trying to target anybody. I, 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 fall, I fall into, I have kids to buy gifts to, you know, and my wife, you know. It's, I do fall into the consumerism part of the season. Um, but I try to think about Christmas as the time to give because God has given to us first. But then if I am going to go in debt in order for me to express that, I think that's really the error. 
So I hope that you, this Christmas season, be careful in your expenses because you are supposed to be living for the Lord, not for the world. Because what usually happens is we, we give everything else to the world and we give nothing to the Lord. We give all our, our strength and time to the world because we accumulated so much bills. Now we have to work overtime and we're going to miss church next couple Sundays because we put ourselves in debt. But we are the, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I think it's about time that we have, this Christmas season, we have to really think about this. Christ came down from heaven so that he will give himself to us. I think it's about time that we now give ourselves to the Lord. Because we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Now like Simeon, we too are waiting for Jesus. Amen? Simeon waited for the first coming of Jesus. We are waiting for the second coming of Jesus. Are you waiting for the second coming of Jesus? Or are you hoping that he doesn't come until you retire or after you really spend everything? I hope he comes when I'm old and gray. <laughs> Hebrews 9.28 So Christ was sacrificed once, once to take away the sins of many, and he will, he will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. The second coming of Christ is no, he's not coming to be a sacrifice, to be sacrificed on the cross anymore. He's coming to judge the world. That's the time. If he came the first time as a, a lamb to be sacrificed, he's coming as a king on the second, with a sword to judge between those who are his and those who are not his. It is the same Holy Spirit that, is in Sim, that was in Simon that is in us, Christians. It is the same. The challenge is, are we living a righteous and devout life for God as we wait on His second coming? And also, are you eagerly waiting on Him? Eagerly waiting is just somebody like a kid, you know, when they would look out the window waiting for their parents. I remember when this, when, when Alonzo used to do this when he was younger, you know, that was many years ago. Now, we, you know, I'm the one who's eagerly waiting for Zoe to come home. Before it was Zoe waiting for me to come home, I would call, G, I would call Anne Lou and I'd say, hey, uh, tell Zoe I'm coming home. I'm, I'm in five minutes away. And I would, as I pull up in the driveway, I would see Alonzo there just jumping, you know, because he was eagerly, eagerly waiting for me. Eagerly waiting for me. Are you doing the same thing? Or can you picture yourself eagerly waiting for the Lord? Or are you so consumed with the life that the world has dumped on us? Or just like trying to make it paycheck after paycheck. We're trying to make it because we, we think if we become rich, that's what's going to make our life. And then we can relax and then we, then we can eagerly wait on the Lord. Then we can serve the Lord when we finally have the finances that we have, when we finally have the career that we have. No, it's, we have to be eagerly waiting, just like Simeon. I can, imagine, I can imagine Simeon going to the temple every day because he was promised, he was promised, you will not die until you see the birth of the Messiah. Imagine God speaking to you and telling you that. Now, what, what, was the, what, what caught Simeon there? Is it, oh, God spoke to me, so 
I have to believe it. Right? Think about it. If you are Simeon, God speaks to you. You will not die until you see the birth of, 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 of my son, my begotten son. You're going to believe it because of who spoke to you, correct? So every day, are you going to be lazy about it? Are you going to go to the temple? Or are you just going to say, well, you know, he comes, he comes, right? I mean, when he comes, he comes. He's God. Who am I to tell him? No, you were already promised. You were already told. So what was more exciting for Simeon, the birth of God or his death? If you read the scripture again, it's both. As Simeon saw God, as he held God in his hands, he said, Lord, now you can take your servant. You see it? You see, there's two excitements there. Now, what, now we, have to, we have to think about that. I, I, when I was reading that, I was like, why was he excited to go? Because now he's holding... He didn't say, oh, now I want to see him preach in the temple. I want to see the miracles that this, 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 per, this, this God is going to do. I want to see the sacrifice firsthand. No, what did he say? Now you can take me, Lord. Now you can take me. Because for Simeon, God was it. Nothing else. The truth about what God said was what fulfilled Simeon's life. The promise of God was what kept him going every day to the temple. And then when he finally saw God, he held God in his hands and he said, now you can take your servant. You can take me now. What? Because Simon understands that this life isn't it. Just like Paul, right? When Paul was saying, if I die, I gain, he said. If I die, I gain. Some of us, some of us, or maybe, maybe many of us, we still love this life that we have more so than being with the Lord. And I'm not saying that's wrong to a degree. If you are blessed by the Lord, praise God. But this life, church, is not it. This life isn't it. Our lives must be for the Lord. Now, if there are times that our lives are put on the line for the Lord, what's our decision? Many of us, we've answered that. We said, my life, not the Lord's will. Right? But Simeon, Simeon, every day he would go there, every day, eagerly waiting. Now, as we eagerly wait for the Lord, we hear from the world the mocking, right? I could imagine Simon telling his friends, you know, the Lord told me that I will not die until I see the birth of the Messiah. Many years later, what do you think his friends are saying? Do you still think your God is going to show up? Are you still believing in that? It's 2022 going 2023. Are you still thinking that your Jesus is the Christ? Look at the world. Look at how evil the world is. It's not going well for you. Are you still believing that your Jesus is coming? You know, um, what is that? Second, Second Peter. We're in Second Peter now. Second Peter 3, 3 to 4. First, I want to remind you that in the last days there will come scuffers who will do every wrong they can they can think of and laugh at the truth. This will be their line of argument. So Jesus promised to come back. Did he? 
then where is he? He'll never come. Why? As far back as anyone can remember, everything has remained exactly as it was since the first day of creation. Pastor Julius received an email which he shared with me of a person that was mocking Christianity. And he attended FICF for a little while. And he was telling Pastor Julius, are you still believing that your Jesus is coming back? Your Jesus is not coming back. It's 2009. It's time to wake up. Now, church, the Holy Spirit indwells in all of us, and the Holy Spirit compels us to live for the Lord. But the world tells us to live for ourselves, to indulge ourselves with the world, to a point that it has used the Christmas season to do the opposite, the exact opposite of what Christmas season is. Because the Christmas season is to observe the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the world has made us what? Be consumers. To make it about material things rather than Jesus himself. The truth about the season. The reason for the season. Now, Jesus told us that the world will hate his disciples. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. This is why Christianity is greatly attacked day in and day out. More than any other religion or faith, Christianity is the one that is gravely attacked. Just watch one of your favorite Netflix shows or your Hollywood movies. The, word, the, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ is used as a curse word. I always wondered why they did not use Buddha instead of, oh my God. Because I think that would have been better. Oh my Buddha, right? I think that would have been a better tagline. But no, they want to use Jesus Christ, Christianity's Lord and Savior. That's my opinion, but they would use it that way. And how come there's no memes about Allah when they're mocking Jesus about everything else? How come there's no jokes about Allah? Because they know you make fun of Allah, somebody's going to bomb their, new, you know, their office. Wherever that was printed, bomb's going to go off there. A popular guy said, this one popular podcast guy said, the reason why he let go of Christianity, because Christianity is made fun of so much, and Christians don't defend it. We don't defend our faith, he said. Because if you disrespect Islam, you're going to get hit straight in the face. Why? Why? Because God told us to love, right? If they hit us with our, in our left cheek, we have to give them our right cheek. If they hit us... It's hard. I just regretted saying it because now I'm like, oh man, what if it does come? But it, that's what Christ has told us to do. 
But that is what Christ has reminded us. Now, what does this have to do with Christmas time? Everything. (laughs) Everything. Because we are still celebrating Jesus' birth. And everybody else is saying that's not it anymore. And you're going to stand and say, yes, it is. And they're going to say, this is not the day that God was born. And you're going to say, you're right. But the point is, God was born. Sometime in the year when he was born. (laughs) That's the truth. One day of that year that Christ was born, Jesus, Jesus, the promised Messiah, came. Revealed and moved by the Holy Spirit. Luke 2, 26-27. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. The Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that it is, in fact, the Messiah that was born. And he moved Simeon to go to the temple at that moment. It was the Holy Spirit that gives Simeon the confidence to wait on God. It was the Holy Spirit that moved Simeon to go at that perfect time, right when the parents, the step-parents of God came in. So what's the, uh, what's the lesson here? Christians, there's no accidents for you. There's no accidents for us. The reason why you're here is because Christ brought you here. The reason that why you belong to the family you belong to is because that was God's design for you. The reason why you're the only Christian in the family is because that's God's design for you. There's no accident. So there should be confidence. If there's no accident, there should be confidence in the Lord. If you are going through challenges in life, God knows it. That's not an accident. God is bringing you through that challenge. And we know that in all things, right? Christ, right? And we know that in all things, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, wait. Let me go to Romans 8.28. Please go to Romans 8.28. Why am I forgetting it? And we know that in all things, Christ... I can't hear you. What? I can't hear you. I can't hear the next words. I know you guys are telling me. And we know that in all things, God works (laughs) for the good of those who love Him. I keep saying Christ in my head. God works for the good of those who love Him, those who have been called according to His purpose. God knows, right? There's no accident. Now, did you know that it is still the Holy Spirit that reveals and moves and enables His chosen ones up to now? Did you know that? Or do you believe that? Because that's what it says in John 16, 12 to 14. I have much more to say to you I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. 
the Holy Spirit reveals God's will to us. The Holy Spirit reveals who Jesus is to us. It is the Holy Spirit who enables us to do what God wants us to do. And it is God who chooses what it is that we are to do. For His glory and His alone. See, I think there's, there's so many mistakes there. There's so many mistakes that we do because we have a great... All, all of us, we, we're, we have this great capability to always argue with the Lord. We have, this, we have a great capacity in us to think that we are so much better than God, especially when it comes to what we are to do for Him. When God tells us to wait, like Simeon, we say, no, I don't want to wait. I want to do. I want to do. And God says, wait. And we say, no, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait on you anymore, Lord. I want I want that girl. I want that boy. I want this job. I want this money. I want this car. I want that big house. There's no more waiting. I'm done waiting, Lord. And God continues to tell us, no, wait. See, if it's God's will and He tells us to wait, it will bring us to His perfect path and He will be glorified in that. Because... This is the only account that we have read of Simeon. Nothing else. There was nothing else. He didn't do anything other than wait on the Lord. But yet it is recorded for us to read about it. We are given a lesson here of waiting on God. That is what we are to see here along with Anna the prophetess. There is a blessing in the waiting, especially if it is God who told us, wait. You wait, and that is your obedience to Him. I'm told, Joe, you are to pastor the church. And I say, no, Lord, I think we need a drummer now. I think I could do the cajon. <laughs> no, you're going to preach. <laughs> God says, Joe, preach. And I say, no, Lord, did you hear me sing that song earlier? <laughs> I think we need some singers. No, Joe, preach. Now, it's just not me. It goes for everybody. Some of us were told of to do a certain ministry, and we say, this is boring now, Lord. I've been doing this for quite some time. I'm done being in the background. I want to be in the front. And God says, Wait. There's so much, there's so much blessing in waiting because in waiting, there's trusting God, right? And again, when we obey God, everything is glorified. And oh, everything that we do in waiting, God is glorified. In Ephesians 3, 16 to 17, this is the Living Bible translation. That out of His glorious, unlimited resources, unlimited resources, He will give you the mighty inner strengthening of His Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in, in your hearts, living within you as you trust in Him. May your roots go deep down, down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. Simeon had a very special revelation to him. At some time in his earlier life, he was told 
that he will not die until he saw the Messiah. That was his extraordinary, exciting news for him. And I don't imagine Simeon pestering God with questions like, Are you sure, God, that I will not die until I see the Messiah? Or, uh, Lord, it's, uh, it's been 10 years. Am I still not going to die until I see you? Or, Lord, how much longer, Lord? Lord? How much longer? Are we there yet? Now, I think it is safe to assume that Simeon was content to just wait and see how the revelation would come about because he trusted on who told him. He didn't even trust on what was said. He just trusted on who told him. Just like our children, right? When we say, wait, and they give us their list. This is my Christmas list. And they're hoping, they're hoping that at least the top three of that list you will get. The most expensive, right? Usually the one, two, three. The ones that's really going to make your credit card crank, right? <laughs> Try again. I'm like, oh, put half on this one and half on this one. That type of gift, right? But you tell them, you wait for Christmas Day for you to open your boxes. Now waiting, again, isn't a popular thing for us. We hate it, but we are told to wait by someone who... But if we're told to wait by someone that we love and someone that we care, someone that we trust, what do we do? We will wait. We will wait because we love, we care, and we trust them. Now, and we will also wait even if we don't love or care about them or we don't even trust them, but because we are in great need of what they told us to wait for. Just the hope of that relief. Let's pretend you borrowed money from someone. Right? You said, dude, I'm, on, I'm in a pinch. My, my, rent is, my rent money is due. And my paycheck's not enough. And then the guy goes, how much do you need? And you tell him your rent money. You say, $1,200. When is it due? You say, Monday. And he says, okay, wait. And because you're desperate, right? First of all, it's very embarrassing to borrow money, right? But because out of your desperation, you asked. So now you were told to wait. So now even though you have a feeling that he or she might not give you the money, but because of your great need for the thing that you asked for, you're waiting. You're going to wait and then come Monday, they're blocked. they blocked your number. You call them straight to voicemail. You text, it bounces back, not received. Yeah, man, you're like, man, I'm toast. This guy just got me run, you know, running and waiting for him. See, God's not like that. Our God is not like that. God told us to wait on him. He will come again, Amen. The news, when it breaks out, if you're like me, you watch it, you see it, and you're just like, oh, Lord, what is happening to the world? I have my children to worry about in the world that they're going to be living in, my grandchildren, hopefully, through them. And then my niece, the world that they're living in is just 
so upside down and I say, oh Lord, come now, Lord Jesus, come now. Because that's the hope. The hope is there's great evil in the world, and, but God will make it right. That's the hope of His second coming. And there's also the wait that God says, you wait. It might look like they're winning, but just wait on me. I will make things right. And if God said it, it will happen. The eagerly waiting, eagerly waiting. 28 to 31, that's where he was eagerly waiting. He said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He saw God himself in the flesh. Diapers and all. But it wasn't the form of the Lord, but it was the promise of God. And the Holy Spirit was the one. Did Mary and Joseph walk in there with a sign saying, we have here the Messiah? No, they didn't have, just like it when you get down on the airport, like, yeah, Mr. and Mrs. for the limo, limo ride, right? I don't know. I just see it in movies. I never had it. But right, usually there's a driver there waiting for them. There was no sign there, but it was the Holy Spirit that moved Simeon. That's it. That's my begotten son. And he celebrated and he said, no, my eyes have seen your salvation. Christians, you have seen the salvation. The day that you accepted Jesus as your Lord, that was your salvation. That was your Simeon moment in the temple. Now, I don't know if you said, now, Lord, you can take me now. If you truly understand what you did, that is really the best thing for us, right? Our life after this. We can never live our best life now here. There is no way. Because Jesus said that in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said it. But behold, he said, I have overcome the world. In all our troubles that we will face here as Christians, God will always still be with us in the middle of our trouble, in the middle of the storms that we will be facing. God will be with us. Amen? Amen, amen. Now, you should be sharing the gospel, Christians. Looking at this verse here, you should be sharing the gospel. Because Simeon waited for many years. We don't know how many years, right? But he waited for many years for the living God to come and to save, not just the Israelites, but for the entire world, which included us. The burden of the truth falls onto us Christians because there is no other way other than Jesus Christ. Are you going to be persecuted? Yes. You're going to be made fun of? Yes. But you have to be eagerly waiting for the Lord and you have to be eagerly sharing the Lord. Now, do you remember how long it seemed to take, how long it seemed to take for Christmas morning to arrive when you were a child? Do you remember? Or is it has been that long? <laughs> well, for Filipinos, I'm like, yeah, it's, Christmas is December 25, 12 o'clock a.m. for us, right? And we're usually sleeping on December 25. But Christmas morning seemed to be taking, it seemed to take forever. The last few weeks of school, right, painfully crawling by, Especially the final days before Christmas. Oh my gosh, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I felt, I, I, sh I was thinking when I was still going to school that December should be no school the whole month. <laughs> That's what I thought, yeah. 
It was intolerable. I can't tolerate it. The anticipation of what lay inside those shiny packages under the tree and the wonder of the season was maddening for me. I'm like, did I get what I asked for? But maybe the experience of waiting for Christmas as children was a good exercise for us. Because as adults, we're still waiting, aren't we? We're waiting to finish our degree for some of us, for some of you. For some of you, you're waiting to find true love. For some of you, you're still waiting for that corner office for your dream job. For some of you, you're still waiting to save enough money to buy uh, a new car. For some of you, you're still waiting for that bigger house or a house. Some of us were waiting to see if our medical treatment was successful. Some of us were waiting for a baby to arrive. Waiting, waiting, frustratingly waiting. Life is about waiting, it seems like. I see, when we were in December 1993, that's when me and my family arrived here from the Philippines. Um, but we waited for that petition from my dad for many long years. And when that approval for that petition finally arrived in, in, in December of 1992, it took like about a year for us to get here, things changed. We were happy, we were excited, we were jumping up and down. And you're like, yeah, we're going to go to the States. We're going to work forever, our entire life. <laughs> we're going to be clocking in and out. <laughs> No, no, no. Of course we didn't think that. We thought we were going to go to heaven, you know, in the land of the milk and honey, you know. It was, that was the notion. But the waiting was finally done. I don't know if you've experienced something like that, but waiting on God for His second coming must be a bigger, greater and we should be more eager because that's a greater and bigger event for us. And for us to be eagerly wanting to be with the Lord should also be another exciting moment. If we're not excited to meet the Lord, we're, we're, there's a misunderstanding. There's a misunderstanding on our part, not God, our part. Because He tells us, in heaven, it is a better place than not this life. This is not where it ends for us Christians. Well, as we conclude, <laughs> somebody say amen. <laughs> it's only 42 minutes, by the way, okay, if you were thinking I was going an hour. It feels like an hour, but it's not, not quite. Now, a brief summary of uh, our points. We, we Christians should be like Simeon, eagerly waiting, trusting that the Holy Spirit has told us through the word of the Lord that Jesus will come again. We should be like Simeon saying, now I may die since I have seen you. I think of stories of people who are in their deathbed, in their dying moments, only, and then after their beloved child or spouse comes, that they will finally breathe their last. Have you heard of those stories? I heard of, of yeah, we had a neighbor like that in the Philippines where the, the, the person died moments after her son came from the States, came back from the States, and, and, and she finally gave her life away. Christians, we, we, we're not being told to die right now. 
But what we were being told is to die to ourselves. We're being told by God to deny ourselves. Not to indulge ourselves, but we are to deny ourselves so that we will live for Him, not for ourselves, but for Him. Amen? Amen, amen. That is our message tonight. In Psalm 37, 4, it reads, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. God was the desire of Simeon in his heart. And he delighted eagerly waiting for God. And when he finally saw God, all the more he wanted to be with God. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. As the music team make their way up here, if you have any prayer requests, please come up so we can pray for you. If you have been visiting our church and you want to become a part of it, the Lord, the Holy Spirit has impressed it in your heart to become a part of this body. Please come up so we can pray for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your message that you've given to us this evening. We thank you for your people that attended tonight. I pray for their blessing, Lord God. We pray for our hearts and our minds, Lord God, that we will be delighting in you. That we will, we will be anticipating you, eagerly waiting for you. That we will be denying our lives ourselves, Lord God, so that we could live for you. Help us, Father, to desire obedience in our lives. Help us, Lord God, to desire to live for you and you alone. I pray for broken relationships, Lord God. I pray that you restore them. I pray for healing for those who are sick. And I pray for salvation for those who are lost. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all rise for the closing song.